Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcast here. Uh, big news out of Oklahoma involving the quarterback position with the uh, transfer of Jalen Hurts and other uh, things going on with the uh, you know coaching staff and whatnot. Uh, with all that uh, going on, I figured we'd call up uh, Jason Kersey, uh, who covers Oklahoma for The Athletic, to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you know what he sees happening with the Sooners and uh, how things are shaking out. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Jason, how you doing? I'm good, Alan. Good to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. No, appreciate you coming on, man. So, um, obviously, there's been a whole lot. I guess we'll start. Let's start off with uh, quarterbacks, as I mentioned. Uh, Jalen Hurts is in, obviously. Uh, Kyler Murray. I guess, first of all, I can't imagine that you were surprised by Kyler Murray's decision to uh, declare for the NFL draft. No, I think that's been pretty, uh, pretty obvious that that's the direction I was heading for a couple weeks at least. I mean, um, you know, when he started sort of hedging a little bit late in the year with some of his answers about, well, I, you know, the plan is to play baseball, but it's good to have options, things like that. It sort of became, uh, I felt like, pretty obvious that the NFL, he was at least going to declare for the draft. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable the amount of leverage he has uh, with, with Major League Baseball. Um, I, I've never seen anything quite like it. And, uh, and, you know, it just, I think, speaks to the, I mean, just how special an athlete this guy is. I mean, who, who at his age... Um, is able to play two leagues like that. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the question becomes then, um, I mean, I got to think, by all accounts, I mean, football is what he really loves playing, right? I mean, he like he likes it more than baseball. It's just kind of the, the way it is. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think you can, you can tell um, – just when he's talking, I mean, I, and, you know, obviously that's my, uh, I'm, I have about as good a relationship with Tyler, I think, as any reporter does, which is not much of one, mm-hmm. but I've been around him and talked to him enough to, to see that when he talks about football and when he talks about baseball, there's a difference. And, uh, and I don't think that there's any real way to hide something like that. I mean, if he, if he was going to have a chance to play in the NFL, he was going to give it a shot. And I still think he will. I mean, I know there are people now saying, well, Maybe he'll, um, you know, go to, like, I don't know, work out or the combine or whatever, and then go to spring training, whatever it is. I think he's playing football. I mean, at least for now. I think that, uh, you know, if football doesn't work out, maybe he goes back and gives baseball a shot. But, I mean, I think he's playing football, at least in the short term. Yeah, that, that's my impression, too. Um, so, you know, Oklahoma decided to uh, make a play for Jalen Hurts instead um, Alabama, you know, former starter there, uh, starting quarterback there for two years before he was uh, unseated by Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I, you know, in terms of uh, finding a guy to play, uh, you know, come in and play one year for you, I mean, you know, Hurts is no Dan Marino or anything like that, but I mean, you know, as college quarterbacks go, I got to imagine this is a, a pretty much ideal for, for Riley and uh, the Sooner, Lincoln Riley and the Sooners, no? Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, I think it's a great such a, a great fit. I mean, the thing about Jalen Hurts is you're right. He's not, he's not Dan Marino. He's not, he's not Kyler Murray and he's not Baker Mayfield, but he, he is a very good college quarterback. I mean, you know, he, he ran up against, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, who's this unbelievable uh, passer. I mean, that, that's really what happened. I mean, the guy's a winner. That, that's the bottom line. In that way, he reminds me of Mayfield. I think the guy's just a winner. 
um, he, 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 um, he has, and then beyond that, his character, I mean, you know, it's going to get, a lot is going to get made of it and has been made of it, but I don't think that it should ever be lost the way that he handled being benched. I mean, that is, that was sort of otherworldly grace, I thought. And, um, you know, the way that he acted, even the immediate aftermath of that game that he got benched in, the way that he handled himself throughout the season, um, you know, the way that he remained a, sort of an active member of that team. Um, I mean, he could have easily taken the Kelly Bryant route and just said, you know what, when he realized that Tua was going to start this season, which I think everyone already knew, just say, you know what, I'm just going to – I'm not going to play anymore. Um, I'm not going to play in more than four games. I'm in a red shirt, and, and he didn't do that. And then he was the hero of the SEC title game. So, I mean, we can get into the, the aspects of his game and his arm and his running and all those sorts of things. But just from, the, from a sheer character and, uh, and mentality standpoint, this guy is a winner, and he's the kind of guy you want on your team. Yeah, you know, the uh, stuff about uh, kind of him being a good locker room guy and everything, I mean, that's – obviously a big deal here when it's just a, you know, a one year kind of rental type thing, you know I mean? So, you know, you want a guy who will come in and make a pretty smooth transition. And that seems to be what uh, everybody around Norman seems to be counting on. But let's real talk real quick about how all this really came together. What's your understanding about when Hertz and the Oklahoma kind of, you know, came into contact? That's a really good question, and I, I don't know. I don't have a firm answer to that. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to we're hopefully going to get Lincoln Riley and Alex French in a press conference this weekend. I'm, I'm not uh, totally hopeful. I'm not totally um, convinced it's going to happen, but I'm hopeful. And if it does, I'll be very interested to, to find that out. I mean, were there any back-channel communication uh, before the Orange Bowl? I mean – because if so, that's – I mean, I, I'd be kind of shocked if actually if they admit that. If that's true, if they admit that. Because that would probably uh, – that would potentially look bad. But, I mean, um, you know, you could tell – I mean, I, a lot of people have been tweeting out the video of, of uh, Riley at the uh, at the college football playoff coaches press conference, I guess, um, in early December when he – talked about how much you want a guy like Jalen Hurts on your team or whatever. And I sort of wonder if at that point he'd already started thinking about it because you know that Lincoln Riley knew Kyler Murray wasn't coming back. I know that there was the Gilbrand stuff, but that was never going to happen. Um, so he probably did have to start thinking about it. I mean, even if Austin Kendall had stayed, um, they were going to have a pretty young and inexperienced quarterback room. Um, so but, you know, that's, that's another thing that, that I think is sort of interesting and I'm, I'm interested to learn more about is, is, is how it all went down relative to Austin Kendall. Because my understanding is Austin Kendall didn't really know that Jalen Hurts was a serious option until last week. Um, and, and if that's true, then, you, you, you know, you've got, you've got a, a young coach trying to balance keeping Austin Kendall in the fold, but also, you know, you want to be honest with those guys. I and mean, there's so many layers to this story. That, that we just don't know yet. Right. And Kendall, of course, uh, you know, his name showed up in the transfer portal uh, late last week. I believe it was Friday. So I've got to think that once he found out that uh, Hertz was going to be on campus, he decided that he was he was gone, right? I mean, there was no, this wasn't a matter of yeah. I, I'm going to kind of hedge my bets. It's, it's more he was he was out. 
Yeah, my understanding was um, that when he, when when they found out, when him and his family found out that that uh, that Jalen Hurts was was going to visit, or when that Oklahoma was talking to him, uh, that that's when he put his name in the portal. Because you'll you'll notice he didn't put his name in the portal until I believe January 11th. Um, trying to remember exactly when it was. I think it was the 11th, and uh, and that's pretty late for mm-hmm. a quarterback because. A lot of the ACC schools that he might have gone to to get back closer to home I mean, weren't options anymore because they either already started class or they were, uh, you know, deadlines to enroll were too late or, or, or they'd are, you know, some schools may have already figured out their quarterback situation. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know when Austin knew about all this, but the evidence suggests he didn't know until last week. Um, and, and I mean, I've been told that too, um, but I, you know, I've been told that by people in his camp. Mm-hmm. So my, I guess, I guess my point is like, if, if he waited that long and knew about her, then that wouldn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, the evidence is pretty clear that he probably found out and put his name in the portal right when he, right when he found out about it. So, I mean, I, I, I guess, I mean, look, Austin Kendall, uh, was never better than Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. I mean, obviously. Um, and, and he was just a victim, I think, of really, really bad timing. And it's, and it's unfortunate that that happens. But, I mean, the guy was, was getting ready to enroll early that first year. At that time, it was going to be, you know, Knight was leaving. Cody Thomas was probably going to baseball. And Mayfield had one year left. And then Austin Kendall was going to get his shot. And then Kyler shows up. And then Mayfield gets his second year back. And so it all just sort of didn't work out for him. And, um, you know, so that's why I, I, I'm i glad that Lincoln Riley did the right thing um, by by rescinding some of those restrictions. Yeah, that's another thing that I wanted to get into then. Um, you know, clearly Kendall had something brewing with West Virginia or something, you know, similar to that. And I think he had gone to visit a few other schools, right? So – I th- I think that one of the big questions that uh, you know kind of comes up is what was Riley's uh, motivation behind putting those restrictions on his uh, on his transfer? Yeah, and again, without without having without talking to Lincoln, it's hard to know for sure. But my uh, my uh, maybe educated guess on it is, is this: it's that Lincoln is still a young coach. I don't think that he maybe fully grasped what the backlash was going to be if that got out, if that became public. Um, I know that sounds crazy because, you know, every time one of these things happens, the coach ends up backing down because the public pressure is so great. Yeah. And there's just no way coaches come out of this looking good, ever. Oh, no. um, but, but I wonder if maybe because he's still a young coach, uh, maybe he didn't. I, I don't want to use the word naive because I don't think Lincoln's naive. But I wonder if he just didn't consider that. And then the other thing is, uh, if you if you spend time around Lincoln or cover him, one thing that has become pretty evident just you know the last year it, for me, this guy is obsessed with doing whatever it takes to win, uh, and to and whether that's winning battles, games, championships, the guy is obsessed with winning. And I think. I think, and again, I'm sort of guessing here, but I think it's an educated guess that he's so obsessed with winning that maybe for him, the thought of someone who had been in his system for three years 
going to West Virginia and then and then uh, you know telling them for the next two years all the things about his about his system uh, was so uh, unacceptable maybe in his mind that he you know put these restrictions on without considering the other side of it which would be the the, the backlash and so uh, you know he the way he's so secretive he's so paranoid and and he's so obsessed with winning that I think that stuff outweighs just about anything else a lot of times when it comes to the way he thinks about things and um, and, and maybe that's an unfair characterization but I think it's I think that's an educated guess about the way that he thinks about things like this yeah because I mean you know it seems to me like that that relationship was over as, as of you know last week that the, the, it wasn't a matter of trying to coax you know Kendall to stay on or anything like that uh, just based on uh, everything that I've been told so yeah. um, right. uh, so I guess then you know uh, one offshoot of this do you think that this will force the big 12 to uh, take a you know take some steps to you know kind of articulate a policy on grad transfers within the conference maybe because um so that's one thing that i think the last couple of days because i started hearing about this uh, some some rumblings about it um the night before the news broke with jake trotter um i started hearing some rumblings about it, so i started doing some research on it and um you know i was under the impression that the the that all the permission the contact permission to this and that permission from the former school, all that stuff was out the window with the transfer portal. But what I learned was that there's kind of still a little loophole in there, which is that um, the portal got rid of all the permission to contact stuff. So, you know, you, you once your name's in the portal, anyone can contact you mm-hmm. and anyone can give you financial aid. The loophole or the little thing that's still left in there is that if it's a grad transfer and they want to be immediately eligible – um, under the one-time transfer exception in the NCAA rules, uh, they still have to get written permission from the school they're leaving. So Austin Kendall could have gone to West Virginia with yeah. two years of eligibility, but he would have forfeited the first one. He would have had to sit it out. And so um, now the SEC added an extra layer to, to their sort of rules to, to combat that where – they coaches can't do that within the conference. So that's why, for example, you saw Van Jefferson, the receiver, go mm-hmm. from Ole Miss and transfer to Florida as a graduate transfer and play right away. Um, so the SEC has that in place. And, and it's, I mean, I wonder if the Big 12 will, will take steps. That's one thing I think was really misconstrued. I saw a lot of people say and write things like it's because of Big 12 conference rules that Lincoln's able to do that. Well, that's not true. It's because of NCA rules. There is no Big 12 rule about this. But I think there maybe should be one. Right, right. Or, I guess they, you, should, yeah. or they should fix the loophole. Or they should fix the loophole in the NCA rules. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's going to be interesting. I, you know, there's a, there's a part of me that wonders, though, if they're going to go down that road and then, uh, you know, I mean, well – no, they're gonna. They'll do it because there's so much heat, and it's it's just such a the public opinion is so um, against giving right. them, you know, that kind of control. But you know, I yeah. mean, I got think coaches are gonna yeah. be hating that though. I mean, the idea of, of having to almost, you know, necessarily kind of babysit your grad transfers, or the idea that they'll be going, uh, you know, they could be going to your rival, something like that. Uh, you know, I yeah. I gotta think that they're gonna be hating hating that. No, I, I think they will. 
coaches don't like to give up control of anything. Anything. College mm-hmm. coaches don't. I mean, they're very uh, – they're control freaks about everything. And so uh, any anything that takes away any of their power, they're going to hate. But in this case, I mean, there's just – you know, there's so many different opinions about, you know, all kinds of issues. There, there are varying opinions, and they all mostly are valid. In my opinion, on this – in this case – there's no valid reason to block a grad transfer from being immediately eligible every month to play because a kid like Austin Kendall or anyone who has graduated has done everything right. Austin Kendall's never been a headache for them, save for one stupid comment that OU should have edited out of its own video. Um, save for that, he's never done anything wrong. He's, he's stayed out of trouble. He graduated, which we – here ad nauseum is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they do that, if they graduate, they should, that, the reward should be you get to go wherever you want to go. And I think most people see that. I, I'm not, I, I, I don't even really understand the uh, opposing argument to that. Um, you know, I, I got into a little bit of a back and forth with Doug, Doug Gottlieb yesterday, who is just for some reason a crusader an, an anti-athlete right yeah. crusader, it yeah. seems like, sometimes. And, you know, he say, during at one point during our exchange, he said something about how he uh, he doesn't think that grad transfer should be immediately eligible. And I'm like, I, I just, I don't understand that mindset. That makes absolutely no sense. I mean, these guys have graduated. I mean, they, I mean, they, all the talk about student athletes and, academics are the most important thing, and these guys are going to go pro in something other than sports, all that crap that we hear all the time. It doesn't mean anything if you don't reward them for that. I'm sorry I got off on a little bit of a game. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you're you're completely right. And the point of of creating these new grad transfer rules is, like you mentioned, to reward that, you know? I mean, so putting – then putting these stipulations on it again is just – it's nonsensical. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, so then I guess the, uh, kind of, you know, kind of the third piece of this is, uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, uh, it, it came out there, you know, there was a, there was a quote out there, uh, from, uh, you know, I think it was just the end of last year where he had said that, uh, Lincoln Riley told him he wasn't going to take a, take any transfers. Uh, of course, you know, Hertz is a transfer. Um, I think though that that was, it was, in my opinion, misconstrued because, he wasn't, you know, at the time, Rattler was talking about Jason, uh, pardon me, Justin Fields, a guy who had uh, three years of eligibility, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think so. I mean, it seems to me that quote may have been taken a bit out of context, but, I, but I'm not 100% sure. But um, Spencer Rattler and his family are not stupid. I mean, I think once, uh, you know, once Tyler is gone and once, especially once Austin Kendall went in the transfer portal, um, they, they had to know that something like this was probably going to happen because they weren't just going to ride with Tanner Mordecai this spring and then Mordecai and Rattler in the fall. I mean, as great as one or both of those guys may end up being, I mean, that just doesn't make it. That's, that's not a winning strategy. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I talked a little bit to Spencer's dad yesterday. Um, I, I went to Arizona last month and to write a story about Spencer and that. So I got to know the family a little bit and, and, and he didn't sound worried about it. He, he basically said, we're not surprised uh, by any of this. So um, I, 
I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, if this had been a, a, a grad transfer like an Austin Kendall who had two years of eligibility left or a Justin Fields, then, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that maybe they would react differently to something like that. But um, but in this case, I mean, this is a, this is a one-year thing. You know, Spencer Rattler, if he, if he was going to be upset about it, he'd have a lot more of a right to be upset about it if he was going to be here in the spring. But since he's not, you know, it's going to be really hard for him anyway to win that job. Um, it was going to be really hard for him to win that job, even if Jalen Hurts never showed up and Austin Kendall stayed. It was going to be hard for him to win it just showing up in the summer, at least at the beginning of the year. So I don't think, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, what I will say, though, is this is what I wrote um, yesterday, sort of my column off the whole day was that, you know, with three straight grad transfer quarter – not grad transfer, three straight transfer quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks under Riley – he, you know, Austin Kendall obviously didn't work out. Uh, you know, his first quarterback he, he uh, signed out of high school. Um, uh, Chris Robeson, we all know what happened mm. there. Um, never even made it to the fall. I, mean, I think that after this, he really needs Mordecai or Rattler to work out. Because, because it's, you can't this, – this transfer thing can't go on forever. Yeah. There's not going to be a Jalen Hurts every year. You've got to start – you got to have a homegrown guy step in and take the reins of that offense at some point. And so if Mordecai and Rattler somehow don't work out, I think they're in real trouble. But um, I, I don't see that as being a problem. But, but, I mean, that's sort of my, my opinion on all this. It was a, it's a great day. Jalen Hurts is, is a great guy, great player. We're really happy to have him. But after this, in 2020 and moving forward, it's time to start growing your, uh, developing your own guys that you signed out of high school. Right, right. You know, but it's it's interesting because this deal with the with you know quarterbacks is that you know if if they're good enough but not good enough necessarily to play, they're going to transfer, right? But so right. Then, like you get a get yeah, kind of this you know kind of a loop or you know of, of guys coming in and out right. and imagining that's tough. It is tough. It's it's really tough, especially I mean probably for a guy like uh, Riley who came up as a coach in Texas Tech. I mean. Do you remember back when Texas Tech would have a new senior starter who would break records every year? Every year, yeah. It was yeah. like it was like Kingsbury. Who who were some of them? B.J. Simmons. B.J. Simmons, yeah. Cody, uh, what was Cody something? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Cody yeah. Something. Oh man, yeah. But uh, it was, that, that's how memorable Rogers. they Cody all are. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, every year, and because those guys would sit there and wait their turn, and quarterbacks just can't do that anymore. Because, you know, they're so well-trained coming out of high school. They have their private quarterback coaches. They don't need that time to develop as much as maybe – or they don't think they do as much as they used to. And so it's tough. I mean, there's, there's, it's really tough. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough on a guy like – I mean, Jalen Hurts, who, who did everything right, played as a freshman, and even he lost his job. And if Clemson – I don't imagine they're going to sign anybody better than Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, it's such a cutthroat world anymore that – if somebody comes in and they're better than Trevor Lawrence, they might bench Trevor Lawrence. You know, these coaches are going to do whatever they have to do to win. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, and, and think about you know thinking I'm about not next year. I think that's going to happen. By the way, yeah, no, Trevor yeah. Lawrence is awesome. Yeah, but, no, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, but looking ahead to like next year, I mean, you know, if if Rattler wins that job, you know, Tanner Mordecai, I'm sure will probably consider uh, you know looking to, looking elsewhere. So. Then you know what kind of you're you're in a you're definitely in kind of a, a rough situation. So it's just it's um 
I don't know. It's it's going to be uh, just another thing, I guess, for these coaches to manage. Um, you know what? We haven't even talked about the new hires on defense. Do you have any thoughts there? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, well, obviously, I think Alex Grinch was a great DC hire. I think he was the ideal hire. I I always thought he made more sense than Pete Golding did, um, just because of his experience working with Leach um, and you know all those kinds of things. Um, so I, I mean, I thought that was a great home run hire as a defensive coordinator. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of the other guys, well, bringing, bringing Brian Odom back, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, bringing back a uh, an OU guy um, who is certainly trying to sort of um, escape. I would imagine trying to escape from, you know, working for his brother. He gets a chance to go back to his uh, alma mater and, and, and uh, rebuild that defense. I think that's really cool. Um, Roy Manning, I don't know much about him except that I – did you watch 24 back when it was on? Yeah, yeah. Okay, for some reason, and I don't know why it is, I keep wanting to call him Curtis. Curtis Manning, Manning yeah. Oh, R.I.P. The, the, the CTU agent, yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Just tragic. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I, I don't know why I keep doing that. I have, I have, typed into stories Curtis Manning and had to correct myself so many times. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> um. But I probably need to get that sorted out. I think I just missed 24. Yeah, well, it could but be, could anyway, be, don't we all? It seems like, I mean, he's a guy who worked for uh, for, for Grinch, and, and obviously uh, I think he's a – just based on some of the videos I've seen of him on, on Twitter and stuff, sounds like he's a, a hell of a recruiter, so mm-hmm. – uh, and he's very energetic. I mean, and that's what they need. They needed some fresh energy on that side of the ball. I will say the one thing about the defensive staff – it really has surprised me is the fact that Ruffin McNeil can stay yeah. uh, in an on-field role. Uh, I know that the players love him, and Lincoln obviously has a great affinity for him, um, and and maybe that's the right decision. You know, obviously Lincoln doesn't make very many bad decisions, but um, I, I I sort of wonder about. I mean, I, I don't know. Ruffin has struck me for the last year as someone who maybe is nearing retirement, and so the 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 idea of putting him, keeping him in one of those very precious, important 10 assistant coach yeah. on field roles um, strikes me as a little bit odd, but, but maybe not. I mean, I just sort of thought maybe they'd go try to get one more dynamic young uh, recruiter uh, for, for that spot. Um, but, you know, and, and put, put Ruffin in sort of a off field assistant to the head coach or analyst sort of role. But yeah, you know, um, they didn't, and, and so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. You know, looking at it too, uh, you know, Manning coaching cornerbacks is is a bit of an odd fit. You know, I mean, I know he did it for a year at uh, Michigan, but you know, I mean, he's made his money more as a uh, you know as a linebackers coach, which apparently you know that edge player position is apparently going to be what I'm, I'm assuming Ruffin McNeil is going to be coaching. So, you, I mean, I do kind of wonder also if maybe. The idea is yeah. to get Manning uh, kind of on board and then, you know, at the end of next season, maybe, you know, slide him into that spot that Ruffin has and let McNeil, uh, McNeil, you know, ride off into the sunset. But I guess we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, maybe then Grinch, Grinch takes over the whole secondary or something. But because I, th- I was thinking about it, they <clears> – <throat> Sorry, they haven't split the secondary up, I think, since Mike was coaching the 
safeties and Bobby Jack was coaching the corners for like two years, mm-hmm. two years ago. Anyway, so I, I wonder how that would go. Yeah, and that's tough in a league like the Big 12. Um, you know, I, I, I often wonder if, if that was an issue for OU the past couple of years with Kerry Cooks having the whole secondary, uh, you know, not uh, not being able to divide those tasks up. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that uh, I think that uh, they'll have to consider, or, or I guess that's what they're going to do now, you know, but then maybe looking for more of a, you know, cornerback specialist, I think, um, you know, maybe next year. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, that that would make sense. I mean, what you just laid out kind of makes sense. I mean, you're right. Manning has been more of a, a linebacker guy, so um, I don't know. I, I, it, it, I mean, the, the bottom line, though, is, is that whoever coaches the corners is going to have to do a good job because those, those guys have to get better. Yeah, yeah, well, safeties too. I mean, I'm more worried about that, honestly, as a fan than uh, I am uh, the, the corners. I guess I'm just thinking about the, the uh, very disturbing trend of corners getting worse as they yeah. played for Kerry Cooks over their career. Jordan Thomas being the prime example, but not the only one. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, well, so, you know, uh, do you have anything big coming up uh, over at The Athletic? Um, well, you know, we're working on a few things, working on a few Grinch things. Um uh, you know, mostly right now trying to trying to figure out what to write about Jalen Hurts. You know, for a guy, a new new quarterback, oftentimes you know it's exciting for a for a beat writer because you you get to find all these new angles that haven't been explored. Well, with Jalen Hurts, this guy, everything about his life's been written about uh, for the for the last three years. To be yeah, with, I think the first freshman starter for Nick Saban and all that kind of stuff. So. It's it's uh, it's a little bit uh, I don't want to say frustrating but difficult um, but but it's also sort of exciting so I'm I'm trying to find angles on Jalen Hurts. Um, you know one one thing I had and I don't think we've talked since since it came out but one thing I it's sort of evergreen that I would I really hope your listeners check out is my 2003 uh, look back on the 2003 team that published uh, last month. I think that that's something that sort of carries carries uh, over is a little bit more evergreen so. Um, I was really, really excited about that and spent months working on it. So certainly uh, certainly hope everyone, if you haven't checked it out, will go check it out because that is a team that has fascinated me since 2003. And it was really fun to go back and, and, and uh, do that story. Oh, yeah, and you got some great uh, great names and, and everything to chip, chime in on what happened uh, in that uh, fateful season. So, yeah, absolutely, everyone should check that only- out. Uh, the, uh, there were a couple guys that I didn't get that I wish I had. Mark Clayton, and I just never could connect. I really wanted to get him. But the main one that I that I just, uh, man, it would have been great is Mike Lupica. And I tried. I tried <laughs> so many different ways to get Mike Lupica. I tweeted at him. I, uh, I, I reached out. He's a commentator on MSNBC, MSNBC now. MSNBC now, yeah. I randomly, I randomly saw one day on, like, Morning Joe – so I sent their, their press off an email, and they said they'd check with him. Never heard back. I mean, I, I tried. I, I, I got, like, three different phone numbers for him, none of which worked anymore. <laughs> I mean, that whole deal. Because because Stoops had some great stuff to say about Lupica, if you read it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I really wanted him to respond to that. But, you know, it didn't work out. Yeah, well, 
that sounds very on brand for Lupica, just based on what I've been told about uh, <laughs> about how he operates. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. always a disappointing thing when you're like, you know, when you're a member of the media. I know Mike Lupica has written books, and he's this big shot, and he's way, you know, way more famous than I'll ever be. I understand that. But one thing I always get pissed off about in, in the media is when like you want to interview another media person and they don't even acknowledge you. I think that's <laughs> kind of crappy. Like, like, you know, at least say no. At least say, hey, I don't want to talk about that. He didn't even give me that courtesy. So I'm not a big fan of his uh, right now. Uh, fair enough. Well, I, I think that you, I think that opinion is shared uh, throughout most of the media. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. But uh Anyway, well, Jason, you know, you're doing great work. I, I, I say that every time I have you on, but it's true. I really love the athletic uh, and, the, and what the, uh, you know, the whole aesthetic and everything you guys have going on there and everything. So uh, every time you're able to come on, man, I, I always feel like I learned something about the program and get, uh, get really good insight and good conversation about what's going on. So thanks so much for coming on, man. Anytime, man. Absolutely anytime. I appreciate, your, uh, appreciate you having me. All right, again, that's Jason Kersey of The Athletic. Make sure to uh, check out all his work there, sign up for it, subscribe. Uh, they all do great work over there. And thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Boyd Overson Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.